It is not a partisan fight. It is a fight against a powerful, corrupt, greedy political machine. June 7th, 2020. It's another episode of I Heart Asterisk New York, the podcast by New Yorkers for New Yorkers who are reluctantly in love with the city of New York. Uh, my <laughs> name is Hallie Ann. Uh, I am Veronica Yarovsky. And we're recording on a humid, muggy summer night here in New York. I'm in Brooklyn. Veronica's in Manhattan. The night's fresh. Those night's crisp. But... And the, we should just jump right into the topic that's on everyone's mind. Um, Elizabeth Moth's new movie, Shirley, which got B plus <laughs> from AV Club just this past day. Uh, she past looks astoundingly like Shirley Jackson. I have no idea what Shirley Jackson looks like, so I'm excited to watch the movie, learn a little bit about one of my I, I just like saw a side-by-side picture on an article, and it was uncanny. <laughs> well, they have good makeup people. She does have like a like a chameleon of a acting range sort of feel like she could portray anyone um no of course the thing that's on everyone's minds right now is the black lives matter movement uh we have had seven days now i think of protests and rallies all throughout the city we've seen widespread engagement not only by people but also by different officials elected officials uh, who have participated in the march with there's a famous photo of State Senator uh, uh, Zellner, I think, is his name, uh, getting pepper sprayed. Diana Richardson also got pepper sprayed. Um, and the protests are, you know, tens of thousands, being attended by tens of thousands of people. So it's an exciting time in New York. Um, it seems like actual change might happen. And we were hoping to dive into the many, many different <laughs> ridiculous issues that have come out of it on the podcast. Um, uh, yeah, I guess just to correct you slightly, this has been the 11th day of protest. 11th day, oh no. I know that time has no meaning in the age of the coronavirus, but <laughs> this has also been going on for longer than we We've been think. thinking, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. You know, the one thing that, uh, that the, the one thing that I've noticed is that people have stopped clapping at 7 p.m. I guess the, because clapping is now like an ambiguous symbol, because you be, you could be clapping for the the man <laughs> oh really the, people, yeah at least where i am people are definitely still clapping where I am. oh no i missed yeah. that a, a little bit not too much no. yeah i feel like i to and i still very much love our essential workers and first responders well except for certain first responders uh yeah. but and health care workers but it's it definitely feels like you know that moment has passed. Yes, for sure. <laughs> the The conversation has moved on to something much bigger and more right. pressing. Um, so yeah, we wanted to open the show by giving people, you know, uh, a call to action. Uh, you can always uh, donate money to lots of different causes. Yeah, the Black Lives Matter website that has links. There's also the website made by like a 17-year-old that had a lot of links that people were sharing yeah. around. That one is called blacklivesmatters.card with two R's yes. dot co. It I, has yeah. an astounding amount of resources. It's very good. It's really good. It does have a link to Free Palestine, which I thought was a little bit of like, uh, you're stepping in something else now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's definitely like one of those. I got to say like a Free Palestine, they're definitely, they have a lot of good like SEO. 
or whatever it is you would call. Like they're always like they're very well marketed. Yeah. Uh, I would say that like uh, personally, I've donated to the Free Palestine movement. <laughs> the Free Palestine, which uh, wants to end I, the country you came from. <laughs> I uh well I I've donated to the Bail Project yes which uh sort of works to provide bail with to populations who cannot afford it which is obviously disproportionately people of color uh the NCAA Legal Defense Fund uh there's also uh I think it's called Act Blue which is participating yes. with Black Lives Matter uh, which also donates to 40 different uh, organizations across the country that are working for, um, you know, uh, sort of causes that both that are both bails, but also like support black owned businesses and support justice initiatives that, uh, you know, are being protested right now, yeah, <laughs> are for being sure. protested for right yes. now. Uh, furthermore, obviously, there are like the GoFundMe's from for you know George Floyd, for Ahmaud Arbery, and for Breonna Taylor, whose killers are still not arrested. Yes, <laughs> and uh, I gotta say, like every all the three stories, like I guess like the main ones, uh, the main cases that have initiated this wave of protests have been all extremely sad. But I gotta say, hers to me. Maybe it's because I'm a woman, maybe, I don't know, is the saddest because here's like a woman who was literally not doing anything. She was asleep yeah. <laughs> like, and people just shot her. And it's fucking frightening and it's yeah. very alarming that the people responsible are still not being held accountable for that. Yeah. That case reminds me a lot of swatting, which is something that gamers used to right. or still do maybe where they just call the police on someone. <laughs> yeah. Like, accusing the person of like kidnapping, holding someone hostage and the police don't even check up on it. They just go into the house and they start shooting. I mean, sadly it seems kind of similar. Like it seems like there was a warrant that was based on faulty intelligence uh, or whatnot that led to, her apartment being broken into, I mean, while she was yeah. asleep. And I don't know what dangerous sleeping woman was posing to the police officer that warranted shooting her three times. But yeah, yeah it's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you can, uh, also, if you're in the New York area, Justice for George on Instagram uh, has, and, you know, you can go to a protest um justice for george uh on instagram usually has uh stories denied before about uh, many protest locations in different boroughs so if you want to participate in that yeah. um and if you check the tag on uh instagram and scroll past all the black squares you can <laughs> also find daily posted locations of the protest too. Yeah, that um, that was I mean maybe we can dedicate a segment to <laughs> misguided acts of allyship or something but that was definitely one of them. Yes. Uh, so let's talk about the thing that seems like there might be concrete action on which is the repeal of state law 50A a very old law passed in the 60s, late 60s or 70s maybe. I believe uh, it was passed in 70s, maybe like 74. 
74 or 75? Gotcha. As part of the civil rights movement, there was a backlash, like these things tend to always produce, uh, uh, interred, and it was spearheaded by uh, the police unions, which we will also soon talk about, uh, who strengthened during the time of the civil rights movement and gained control over uh, what kinds of legislation was being written uh, at the state level, and this was something that was passed by one of the Queen's Assemblymen uh, during this time, which uh, exclude, with the original goal was to it prevent def- public defenders, which were new at this time because they were established in the 60s uh, by getting the Wainwright from uh, using uh, pu- records of police misconduct against the police during uh, wi- uh, during questioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so already from the start, it was uh, sort of written with bad intentions. And then over the years, the appellate courts uh, expanded the usage of the bill to journalists, to people filing freedom of information requests, and to, you know, just like everybody. And that's one of the reasons why, fast forward to modern day, skipping over a bunch of history, it was so difficult for Daniel Pompileo's records to go public, or they never went public, in the death of Eric Garner, which is one of the first things we ever talked about on the podcast. So I was able to link our podcast history <laughs> with wow, the history you so of civil much. <laughs> We were so elemental. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that law is kind of crazy. Uh, it was repealed twice by Governor Hugh Carey before it was passed the third time, which is something I learned today. Uh, repealed twice? It was, yeah. It was not repealed. Vetoed. Vetoed twice Veto. by Hugh Carey before it was then passed. And now they've been talking about it for the past five years of repealing it. And no action has been taken. And just as recently as October, there was in a hearing about it. But yeah, I think sort of the main, well, I mean, for obvious reasons, I would imagine the NYPD does not want to repeal it, but uh, I think... The unions don't, yes. Right. Um, And I guess the main one is that they want to prevent doxing uh, of of cops, which is already prevented in a different law. Uh, And... uh, so that's very disingenuous. It's yeah. doubly disingenuous because they did exactly that to Bill de Blasio's daughter the other day. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's right. That was um, on June 1st. De Blasio's daughter, Chiara de Blasio, was arrested as part of the protest. And then one of the Benevolent Association tweeted out uh, private information about her. It's... It finally, like, it really took a protest of this magnitude to have them him and Cuomo who says that it's a mayoral issue which I do not understand since it's a state legislative issue that's a tactic that he's used before with yeah, the FDA too <laughs> right uh, willfully misunderstanding but that seems to like e- be even more blatant because like you can at least like rely on the ignorance of people to know that yes. like oh well is it the transit system that serves New York it must be under the purview of the mayor but here it's like a state law so I don't know yep uh, but yeah, so I think definitely there's a momentum in the right direction. It would be very interesting to see how uh, the city article that I read about it says that they have 32 uh, supporters for it in the state Senate. Cool. 
uh, but there are like 40, um, uh, uh, what am I going to call it? Uh, (laughs) uh, members of Senate, uh, who are from Long Island and places where there are a lot of police officers who live there. So it would be interesting to see whether that actually happens. And as we, I guess, should we segue into the police unions? The yes. Several definitely. police unions, but they are definitely heavily, uh, you know, incentivized to lobby against it and they have the funds for it. Um, so it seems like they've spent $1.4 million since 2015 in their, you know, membership dues money to lobby against any sort of reform that would, uh, you know, go against the current NYPD status quo. So it it will be interesting to see how that's going to play out for sure. Yeah. So de Blasio has a fractured relationship with the police unions. De Blasio ran on a platform of police reform. Right. Repeal uh, or stop, uh, don't ask, uh, don't ask, don't tell, stop and frisk. (laughs) Stop and frisk. Yeah. (laughs) Two bad policies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I feel like Uh, they always have like these like kind of like catchy catchy names names. though. Yeah. Yeah. They have good messaging, which is something that like, you know, the article I was reading about 58 was talking about how a lot of the tactics that the police unions use were co-opted from the civil rights movement. They like learned in the opposite direction that we would want them to learn <laughs> about how to organize, how to uh, convince legislation to get passed and how to like message right. uh, better. Um, so yeah, just awful. Uh, but yeah, de Blasio, uh, since the protests have begun, de Blasio has basically taken a tone-deaf approach to how police violence has yes. been enacted on protesters and um, looters also in the city. Uh, it, up, like, there's just the, the doxing of his daughter is a great example of something that's wildly beyond the pale that he took no action on. So it's hard for any of us to really look at that and say that he's not you know, in the pocket of the the police unions. And we get that the police unions are a powerful part of the city. Um, and we get that he, uh, you know, he, he, the, the slightly negative thing that he said about the police during the Eric Garner uh, fiasco uh, led to the police union turning their backs on him on the funeral. But- well, that was also because I, I think because as a, it seemed like what it was is that like, in the aftermath of Eric Gardner, two cops were shot in a yeah. police car while sitting in a squad car. And the, really one, one of the head of the unions, I forget if it was Mullins or Lynch, uh, said that he had like blood on his hands, I believe. And and then like, yeah, the police officers turns their ba- turn, turned their backs to him. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's... He's definitely... Yeah. If he's trying to strike a balance between managing the interests of the unions and managing the interests of the city, I think it's now clear that he's uh, very one-sided with the police. Uh, but given- it's also unclear why. Because, like, yes. I can, you know what? I can even see if it was his first term and he wanted to be reelected and he felt like that was a base that he needed to keep in order to get the votes. That would be one thing. He, This is his last term. Yes. Like, There's nothing to lose. 
yeah, he has nothing to lose. Research has shown that, like, when, like, there was a, I think, like, in the aftermath of that incident, police, they said that they were going to also, like, stop doing police, some policing work, Mm -hmm. which they did, and arrests went down, and crime went down. Crime went down. So, like, I don't know, like, what argument, like, call their bluff, like, (laughs) have them be like, oh, we're not going to do our work, and then be like, okay, yeah. Like, you know, I, I genuinely don't understand what he's afraid of at this point. Like, they, I, I mean, obviously I'm not like, well, like, I don't know what happens inside City Hall. But it yeah. seems like that politically, I don't know that he has much to lose by actually supporting a way braver reform that he's actually supporting right now. Yes, he's acting like he's scared of the unions. Like they, like you know, the common joke is that they have something and that they're blackmailing him. But you know, that seems like it's how he's acting. You know, when you you call a duck a duck, um, he should be acting like the last term mayor. He should be in a time of crisis, both like coronavirus and this police brutality. He should be acting decisively. If yeah. if if only in words, like just give a. Just say it in a speech and then maybe don't do anything. But he's not even messaging it correctly. No. Uh, it's hard to see. It's hard to figure out what's going on with him. Anyway, it all culminated uh, just this past week with hundreds of staffers writing, past and current, writing an open letter to de Blasio, which you can find at lettertothemayor.nyc, I think, is the yes. link. <laughs> it is not secure. <laughs> not secure. They need it's- a Let's Encrypt certificate. Uh, but... <laughs> Yes. Uh, this is a letter that calls for it's constructive in nature. It's not just like a like a screed. It's calling for open. It's it's calling for concrete actions to be taken, like better transparency and uh, funding the police differently, putting more money into the services as opposed yeah. to just into enforcement. Uh, and again, it went mostly uncommented by De Blasio. De Blasio's comment, I think, was like, you know, people are welcome to disagree, but they don't know like how complex the issue is, right. which is insane. <laughs> The letter also starts with just like, you know, like a jilted lover, sort of like uh, an enumeration of all of his past failings. And it's like, uh, he promised all of these things and he ended up not doing anything. So he like refused to end uh, solitary confinement. He like expanded cooperation with ICE. He like demonized bail reform. He, like, uh, did not release people from Rikers once coronavirus was there, you know. He, you know, he said that the NYPD acted appropriately and shown a lot of restraint, you know. And then it ends with, like, the curfew, which we can talk about in a bit. Um, But, yeah, it's it's kind of a damning list, you know, like... When when someone puts all the list of all his failures together like this, it's bad. And then when it's signed by people who's worked directly with him or with his administration, it's doubly bad. Hey, I gotta say, it's a long scroll. Like there's a lot of people in there who yeah. are a lot of people with jobs that are like mayor's office of blank. Just a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> that he presumably hired, um, and you know. A lot of people have said this is the end of his career, and I'm. I think alternatively, the theory that I have is that he's looking for a job on the NYPD after his like, mayorship to, ends. To be He'll honest, be Detective De Blasio. Outside of them actually having some incriminating, you know, 
bullshit like motel like you know like seedy like prostitution thing or like him doing like drugs uh, like i i mean even that i don't think would be like that big of a deal yeah just like i really don't know what like that seems plausible like he might want to be like the next like police commissioner i really don't know what he's aiming for here don't know either i I don't know if he's he's gonna be able to live here after he ends his mayorship (laughs) yeah i don't know if like i feel like you know what i think like the thing that would really like hurt him uh where it hurts or whatever is uh if the park slope uh ymca YMCA. (laughs) posts something bad about him uh (laughs) about him no longer being welcome there but yeah so he's been a very feeble mayor he's enacted this curfew which i mean outside of the fact that it like clearly endangers and if like endangers and to be frankly just inconvenience like essential workers because you know a lot of the transit options that they have available are going to be curtailed as a result of that i mean considering what we've seen from our nypd's finest in the past few days also just endangers them for no reason whatsoever uh it straight up just gives police any like an open sort of a carte blanche to basically arrest anyone they want since like technically everyone is violating the law just by being outside. Um, It's, it's kind of crazy that he did that. I understand like, I, I mean, I don't understand. It seems like the only reason he gave is because of the looting, but I feel like the looting argument is so weak because it's, it's akin to like, the NRA argument of like, oh, well, if you ban guns, only criminals are going to get the guns. Yeah. I feel like it's the same thing here. Like, the people who are looting are criminals. I don't think they're going to be, like, dissuaded by a curfew, you know? Yeah. Like, looting is illegal anyway. It's not like, you know, we need, like, an extra thing. Um, yeah. So, sure. yeah, it just seemed like, again, to capitulate to those interests. And, again, for reasons that are not you know even like i don't know for many it almost seems okay for like if there's a reason that is political even even though that should not be like a valid reason like but here i don't know that we can even find a political reason for him to be doing this at the moment yes it seems like he's any goodwill that he had before which was already (laughs) is by now gone um Uh, at the at the funeral for where was it? At some speech that he gave, I, 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 he was just jeered openly for the entire duration of his speech, and then people turned his back, people turned their backs on him. So he's I don't know what his. It seems like he's either depressed, which is and so he's just you know he's in a spiral of some sort. Or he's just—he's not a competent politician. Maybe <laughs> he seems yeah. stubborn and 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 uh, unwilling to change when presented with new facts, even facts that might help him stay relevant as a politician. Right. So it's, it's discouraging that we're under such terrible leadership, uh, and you know, um, especially at like a time like this where there is a clear political momentum, and yeah. you know. 
He could have been a part of it. Yeah, wind blowing in his back to do all of those progressive things that he professed to be for before he got elected. Um, And he's... Like, that now is the time where you have the most backing you would probably have in a long time to enact progressive uh, legislation. And he's very much standing in the way of that, even. Like, he's not even, like... But yeah, I think like there's some credence to your his depressed <laughs> theory because <laughs> in the there was a conference call that he had with his uh, staff, I suppose, where he also said that he might divert some funds from the NYPD, even though that's not like n- it's not clear whether it's like the one billion requested by the letter or how much or where it's gonna go. Or how much of it is just an empty promise. But anyway, he said, government is incredibly hard. (laughs) Which is (laughs) great. That's what you want to hear from the mayor of the largest city in America in the midst of a crisis. In the midst of a dual crisis. Because let's not forget, coronavirus is still a thing. Yes. Um, Yeah, so the, I mean, I think we've covered the major points of the curfew. But something to point out is that today he tweeted about it. Would you... (laughs) Right, he tweeted about it. Oh no, there was uh, he announced something about the trophy. He announced that it would end. I was trying yeah. to tee you up. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I I was slow on the uptake. Yes, yeah. he bravely announced that uh, the last day of the curfew is canceled. So hooray to America! <laughs> <laughs> the curfew also, you know, I get that it's a crowd control tactic, but also it it it, it punishes essential workers more than it helps the city i think because oh for sure at, there was one day where two hours before the curfew began lyft uber and city bike shut down uh at the behest of the city presumably like i assume there's some sort of contractual obligation that they have um and you know six p a lot of new yorkers work <laughs> past right. 6 p.m it's uh insane tactic I mean, to be honest, we were ordering food last night and I was Mm. like, let's order like early, like even if we're not going to eat so that like we're not forcing a person to like endanger Mm. their lives while doing that. And I mean, it's yeah, it's like fucked up. Like so weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and especially, like, you know, it would have been one thing if the police asked questions first and arrested later, but it clearly, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we've 300, all seen... Yeah. 300? 300 Twitter videos have proven otherwise. Yeah, exactly, and that's just in New York. Uh, yeah. So, I it just seemed like, yeah, it just seems like, you know, they first they put, you know, those plastic... Uh, whatever shackles on you and then you have to prove to them somehow that you're not guilty like the burden is flipped you know (laughs) and even yeah and even if they ended up just holding you for no reason now they because the suspension of habeas corpus that we have yet to talk about i don't think has been lifted yet no that's right 
so this is this is a state level thing, I think. So the blame is a little removed from De Blasio, but you know it's still like a, it's 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 part of the ongoing failure of our local government to do anything. This has like mostly been reported from the city, but from what I can gather, in New York, you are guaranteed arraignment after you're arrested within 24 hours. So you're you can have a public defender, you can enter a plea, you're given the crime that you're charged with, but. Uh, since all the protests have happened, the courts have ruled, I think, that that is, given the exceptional circumstances that have happened, that is no longer... Yeah, that was the New York Supreme Court. Yeah. New York Supreme Court. Um, So this is, you know, it doesn't seem like this is the sort of thing that happens that you can sort of say that like, oh, this only affects people who protest. This only affects people who are looting or whatever. But it's a, it's a, it's kind of a drastic measure to suspend one of the constitutional guarantees <laughs> that uh, was, pa- you know, part of the Bill of Rights and then extended to states by the Fourteenth Amendment. Uh, and then, so that's just suspended. It's not like something that's been reported a lot, but it does seem like the sort of overreach by which we've overreacted to the protest is kind. Of, right. It's kind of damning that so many different systems are sort of failing all at once. It almost it yeah. like it almost feels like the police was like, "Oh no, we're swamped from all those people we arrested for dubious reasons." Yeah, uh, give us more time. And the courts were like, "Oh, okay," and not like, "Hey, figure out like that you're only arresting people who are actually deserving of being arrested." Yeah. Uh, yeah. People like. Are- Again, yeah, there have been horror stories of people being just held there in confinement and close quarters during the pandemic, and you know they're just using it as like a a tactic, uh, uh, like punishment tactic. It's not they're not they're not actually being they didn't didn't need to actually be arresting all those people, right? But again, like we have yet established that they are deserving of punishment at this point. No. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. that's yet to come. Like, yeah, it's it's very alarming. Um, the sort of how quickly because of, you know, like some panic that happened early on, our institutions suspended a lot of our freedoms, you know, whether it was the curfew or the habeas corpus or, you know, just like the rampant uh, violence that came out from the police side. And, you know, that is, like, literally, like you said, would be something that we would be protesting if it happened in any other, quote-unquote, developing country, not as, like, (laughs) advanced as we are here. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, and that is fairly alarming. Yeah. Um, uh, It even got a mention from our favorite uh, representative, AOC, who, like, tweeted at the uh, judge uh, or whatever this today. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a definitely a bad development, and you know, hopefully it'll get lifted. Hopefully, people will come to their senses about <laughs> just like uh, how overwhelmingly peaceful the protests are, and how much of the violence is being caused by the state. Um, yeah, yeah, that's. Do you want, do you want to real quick talk about those BPA get out of jail cards? <laughs> Yeah, this is something that you sent me via message, and I was shocked to find out. Is it? It's very similar to how our improv theater UCB used to distribute uh, access cards to shows. You could get into shows for free if you had one of these cards. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, like, how, so, how did you find out? Yeah, I recently found that out from a friend of mine who uh, was uh, grew up in New York City, 
and um, and apparently that is a thing. I texted it to a few people who I know grew up in the area just to know like whether and a good friend of ours turns out has one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, all those are they look like sort of a laminated like plasticky cards that basically have like a similar thing to what says on everyone's passports that no one ever reads about like give safe passage to the holder of this document through your borders but this one just says like give safe passage to blank you know and um it basically as our friend described to us you hand it over if you get pulled over by a cop on under your license you hand it over to the cop the cop looks at it and just lets you go (laughs) Uh, it is insane <laughs> that thing exists. Uh, it is such an uh, crazy abuse of power. Yeah. I mean, very much akin to my pet pet peeve, which is uh, placard abuse. Placard abuse. Yeah. Uh, it is. Uh, yeah. I think the fact that this exists, and I think it was trending on Twitter. Slight. I don't know if this is confirmation bias, and now I'm just seeing it, but. Um, hmm. It was trending on Twitter a day or so after I discovered it. So I'm sure many people are discovering it. And I mean, I'm sure this is not on the top of the list of things that we need to reform. (laughs) But I feel like that's definitely a thing that we need to reform because it seems almost criminal because it's an abdication of the cop's duty to uphold their uh, role. Uh, So... Yeah, I mean, if it's someone just, gets pulled over for, you know, speeding or for, uh, you know, drunk driving or whatever it may be, they're actively endangering other people. And the fact that you're letting them go, not because of any sort of fact, but because, like, they happen to be related to someone who has an affiliation with, you know, yeah. a police department is so seems very negligent and dangerous to me. Outside of the fact that it's like, you know, just abusing power. Right, exactly. It's the sort, these are the sorts of things that erode the trust that people have in the police, which you, you would think is something the police would want to keep in the first place. But, right. you know, this is the sort of thing that a, a mismanaged improv theater would do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, to see the police do it is kind of shocking. This is like a multi-billion dollar police agency. <laughs> right. <laughs> which I read to, uh, this week that, like operates in 13 different countries as part of like their intelligence gathering and they just have these cards floating around <laughs> no That's it's it's crazy, crazy. yeah and it's also ridiculous. not to out our friend but like their way of getting it is through someone who's no longer involved with the police department and they still are getting those cards so yeah. it's not even like i feel they like they have if, like a five-year expiration date or something insane i think no i think it is annual, annual but uh at least, like, it, that's what it seemed. But, yeah, yeah it's kind of, it's crazy. I, you know, I can see how it came about. It's, like, one of those things, like, you know, every one of us works at some job and they have, like, a weird perk that, like, they get for free something that people pay for or whatever. And I guess that is the equivalent of that with the police. But this one actually, like, impacts people's lives, you know? like, <laughs> And... Yeah. I feel like that's, you know, a weird perk. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I mean, they're, a, they're supposed to be a civil servant, but instead it seems like they operate like an extortion racket almost. <laughs> no, it's uh, literally, I think, I don't know who it was, but 
someone compared them to modern day mobsters, like modern day mafia. And yeah, well, I don't think the you know it's a one to one comparison. There, yeah. there are definite similarities. Definitely. You know, much yeah. like. Uh, you know, like we talked about Bill de Blasio and how like people, how uh, officers threatened to not police uh, after the Eric Gardner thing. And and uh, it was like, uh, oh, what a nice city you have here. It would be a shame if something happened to it. It almost yeah. like had that kind of vibe to it. Um, Definitely. So, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Just like... I'm glad at least people are now waking up to how... Because, you know, like, New York, there are lots of terrible... New York is a complicated system with, like, it's hard to figure out who belongs to what and, like, how, like, the different circles intersect. But it's nice that people are at least now waking up to the the, the benevolent associations. And, you know, just that... Just going on their Twitter account makes you feel crazy because it's so... <laughs> <laughs> it's so out of touch. They're doxing the mayor's daughter. <laughs> right. It's like, it's insane they're allowed to exist, but they do because, you know, unions are, have, there are powerful unions in the city and this just happened. This one just happens to happen to uh, carry guns and enforce the laws. <laughs> right. So, you know, well, uh, for those who have not read the letter that Ed Mullins, who's the president of the Sergeant's Benevolent Association. Yes. So there are few... They're sort of, to call them unions is weird because they're sort of like, because other people can like donate to them. It's like they yeah. have like a weird, they're not like normal unions that you might have in your job, which you should. Hey, go union. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, but anyway, so he's the head of the Sergeant's Benevolent Association and he posted this letter, open letter on Twitter to his fellow sergeants. And it's like, you know, I feel your pain. We have no leadership, no direction, and no plan. You're being held back and used as pawns. I understand I'm one of you. Uh, you know, do not give up. I hear you. Soon everyone is going to hear you. Help is coming and we will win this war on New York City. <laughs> with, like, are you at war with the people you're supposed to be protecting, with the communities that you yeah. are employed by, like who are paying your fucking salary? Mm -hmm. uh, and remember, you work for a higher authority. It's a good against evil and good always wins. Woof. And then he's like presenting a bunch of like messages that he received. I'm using air quotes. Yeah. All of these things are in quotes. I'm not sure if these were actually received because, you know, citation needed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's see. Uh, my favorite one, I think, is uh, we have pepperball guns, tear gas, and other anti-criminal riot apparatus, such as horses, not being used. So someone is complaining about them not being able to play with the toys yeah. that I would argue they're probably not trained to use. Uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. This is like a person who has said a lot of I, I can't quote directly I have not opened those sources but he has said some very hateful things yeah. about both the protesters and our city and uh yeah it's kind of like almost sickening to know that this person has so much sway over you know the lives of more than nine million people <laughs> 
That's right. They're using the language and maybe even the ideology of like uh, of the police in the seventies when like the city was on fire and they're you know you can take the subway unless you had a gun or something and. You know, that's not that's not today's city. Like they seem so antiquated. I mean, right. and it would be charming if it weren't for the fact that they had so much power and they were hurting people. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. It seemed like like an artifact of the past. And a lot of people are now talking about you know defunding the police and replacing them with public workers and social service uh, agents and you know like you know uh, more experimental forms of uh, I guess enforcement and that. Honestly, I, I that seems refreshing. I, I know that it, people are probably scared of like you know there's crime in the big city, but I, I we have to give that a try because this right. isn't working. Well, it seems uh, like a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of our, you know, just city services have somehow ended up being, like just. Uh, sort of like rolled over to the police for yes. dubious reasons, whether it's like homelessness outreach or, you know, just general like social work with, you know, drug rehabilitation or, you know, yep. and it's, that's not their role, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's sort of, I don't know what it is, whether it's like, because there should be a department that takes care yeah. of homeless people. There should be a department that tries to tackle drug abuse. Right. Um, but no, it, it falls on these. It falls on these organizations that do a piecemeal job. Like the MTA is supposed to do. Right. Some of it. And it's it's kind of crazy. And it's like those people, and I mean by that I mean police officers are not trained to do that kind of work. It's sort of like, you know. Those people, yeah, they have like a a badge and a gun, and like, what are they gonna do? Like, yeah, if they someone, operate in the command and control hierarchy where they can't even speak up if they, see yeah, it's yeah, and there's a lot of retaliation. Like, I know, like, you know, ACAB and whatever, but like, I feel like if there was a different culture inside police uh, departments, it would be way easier for people to speak up. And not only because, like, they would be heard by the higher-ups, but also because, like, they would not be retaliated against by, you know, their yeah. quote-unquote, you know, partners and uh, brothers in arms or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's a broken system. And yeah. I don't know that we should be af that afraid to break it up and figure out something better. Yeah, at the very least, the trust the trust has been lost. I, I think yeah. it's very difficult now to imagine someone calling 911 now in any situation where a person of color is involved, um, or even texting 911, because apparently that's a new service that opened up just today, I think. Oh, fun. You can now How text 911. Yeah. Can I you text, excuse me, there's a black man who's <laughs> watching birds? <laughs> <laughs> That's a crazy thing that we haven't even talked about. Yeah, uh, I mean, that. if you want to mention it, but uh, <laughs> I will say that this woman lives in a different neighborhood than myself, but I saw, uh, like, uh, I guess, like, they're not, like, there's a, uh, just, like, notices uh, on, you know, uh, polls and stuff in my neighborhood saying that this woman does not belong in our neighborhood. And while I agree, I would also be like, hey, she's n not living here. <laughs> like, <laughs> so get your facts right. 
You spent uh, a lot of money on these signs before checking the basic. No, this was literally like some person. Some who, person did, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. had a printer or access to like a Kinkos and like yeah. printed very much just like you know Times New Roman on white paper, <laughs> um, uh, which is you know a sentiment I very much agree with. This woman is at at yeah. the very least racist. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, uh, yeah, it it was an awful case. And apparently there was another one a few days after. Yeah. Uh, so those things happen. And I think much like, yeah, I don't know whether that was discussed as much. I, and probably it was. But other than the fact that she, yes, she called the police on a black yeah, man who wasn't doing anything. He was birding, she, yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty harmless as far as <laughs> yeah. activities go. A nerd was watching birds. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but the fact that, like, she was so emphatic about how, like, I'm going to tell them a black man. Well, yeah. I guess she said African American, but, like, uh, is doing this. Like, she knew what she was doing. She was trying to scare him. She was like, you know what the police is like when it comes to black people, and I know what the police is like when it comes to black people, and what I, I'm threatening to do to you is going to be bad for you. Like, yeah. that. that is all it was. Like, she knew perfectly well what the system was, and she knew perfectly well that that's going to escalate beyond, like, anything that this even if this was a real incident would warrant and she still like did that and it's it's so cynical and awful <laughs> <laughs> like god yeah. like that that a person would do that it's yeah. crazy it's pretty bad uh, um let's hope some change comes out of it the uh, change is gonna come <laughs> and now we can now cover something fun which is uh the two brooklyn lawyers who were arrested for for driving Fine. a van around full of <laughs> molotov cocktails and offering them up to people <laughs> and offering them up to people uh, uh this is Collinford mattis 32 age 32 Araj raman age 31 um a pair of lawyers uh i think Collinford mattis had the more prestigious credentials he Came out of Princeton, Go Tigers, and he <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> was part of his local community district, which is sort of like uh, just like a small neighborhood council type of thing that we have here. And he was also working for some a, a law a law firm with like two last names, like something prestigious. Um, and after he was furloughed from there, though. Not what? as prestigious. Uh, he was furloughed from there uh, because oh, of the yes. coronavirus. He so fuck time. you, Prince <laughs> Tigers <laughs> suck. Yeah, and he they are now in a quite well. The funny thing is that the woman uh, Raman gave a interview, a video interview, right before they were arrested, like hours before, saying that something along the lines of, you know, the protest should violence might be required to meet the violence that was that we've seen so I far. I believe her exact quote is, "This has to stop, and the only way they hear, the only way they hear us, is through violence, through the means that they use." And uh, she suggested the destruction of police property was appropriate. And she was standing near a convenience store that, according she, to people with knowledge in the investigation, is where some of the materials were published uh, for purchase. Well so this was probably, maybe, allegedly, where <laughs> she actually bought those cans of Bud Light and toilet paper. 
Yeah. She might as well have just entered that video into Exhibit A, like evidence. <laughs> in yeah, the video. Yeah, I don't know, like, you know, her credentials as a lawyer. I doubt them. Yeah. Um, and now they are, they're being sentenced, I mean, they're being charged with federal crimes, which, you know, I guess it really is a federal crime <laughs> to yeah. do stuff like this. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel badly for them, but yes, they were definitely in the wrong. It is, you do think that someone with law degrees would be better at committing crimes. It's like, maybe that's a, <laughs> just like a TV watchers <laughs> perspective, but maybe that's not true in reality. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I have much to add to that. It's just, it's weird. I feel like this case is mostly weird. Uh, yeah, it's definitely like weird news. <laughs> also, I mean, we should say that this was only damage to property. They did not, you know, actually uh, hurt any police officers or anything. I think yeah. the only thing she ended up doing is walking to a police car and throwing a cocktail through a broken window. Yeah, I mean, still not great. Uh, we want to show that, that they're we are better than them. <laughs> not a valid form of protest. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, it's yeah. It seems like very much like I don't know. It just seems like someone who got like very angry and decided to do a thing without maybe thinking it through. Yeah, for um, sure. But I, I mean, I would not want to like speculate about their motives. But yeah. they're definitely facing a mandatory minimum of five years in jail. So, oof, tough. And I think they would probably be disbarred. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're disbarred. <laughs> Um. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they'll land on their feet. <laughs> you know, maybe one of them was from Princeton, right? Yeah. Very prestigious, That's, as you mentioned. He's got contacts. Yeah, uh, perhaps. But it also sucks because he was like a foster parent to a few kids. Uh, apparently, his yeah. mother passed away, and she was a foster parent, and uh, so he's actually just also abandoned a bunch of children by doing that which really sucks yeah so a lot of bad decision making all around um tough so i don't yeah i don't know is that was that your <laughs> lighter I mean, subjects i i just think if you're gonna commit an extremely serious crime don't give an interview before it you just commit the crime <laughs> Don't get filmed doing it because, you know, there are cameras everywhere, which as a lawyer, you should probably know. Right. And, you know, just don't do it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, mm -hmm. a little a little light news item. Um, so that's all the news I have on my end. Um, yeah, I think this was enough for our listeners. I feel like this is this, enough. This, yeah. This and was for like the really episode. big national news, just open up any website so <laughs> that we yeah. did not cover today here. Yeah. Like, who is George Floyd? And what's Black Lives Matter? <laughs> <laughs> How do I make a black square on Instagram? <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Maybe we can end with a, 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 a call to vote. Um, oh, sure. Absentee yeah. ballots and everything. I just did mine this past weekend, but maybe this will also count as my New York moment because I've basically been inside or buying groceries for the past month um but you know you, the deadline for asking for a ballot is june 16th so by the time you listen to this podcast unless i've done a horrible job of releasing it you should still have time to ask for an application and then you can vote and uh there are down ballot races that aren't uh presidential candidates that you can vote for for example on my 
district, I'm trying to vote out Yvette Clark <laughs> because she has done very little for the Prospect Heights. Um, and there's also Assembly Men and Assembly Women you can vote for, too. Oh, and that's They all exciting. have Facebook pages with minimal information. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my boyfriend, who is registered to vote, uh, got his ballot, and it's just our uh, House representative and the presidential vote in our district. Nice. Wh- who are the House representatives who are up? Uh, I know that Jerry Nadler is the reigning one. I, yeah. I don't recognize the other names. Okay. I, but I'm Upstarts. also not the one voting, so... <laughs> <laughs> You have a hand. You have a. You could. You could push him in some direction. Um, yeah, it's just like something that's happened. I think more recently is that the progressives that we've elected, starting like 2015 to now, are now showing up in the news, which is cool. Like you know, like state senator. What's his name? I, I always forget. Zari Mellor, and you know, like Jessica Ramos, Julia Salazar, Diana Richardson. These are they aren't perfect people. That I mean, there some of them have like sketchy skeletons in their past maybe but you know it's nice to see young progressives get voted to local politics and you know local politics is where you get to make the most difference so you know go out vote check out do some doodling use ballotpedia which is what i use to do some quick research and fill in those bubbles with a pen or a pencil pen or a pencil but don't fill more than one yes because that would invalidate your ballot yes and write in Seymour Butts for the Democrat presidential. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray. Hooray. Oh, I was just looking at the map of our my congressional district, and it's crazy. It seems to be very much gerrymandered. Oh, that sucks. Uh, it's like the west side of Manhattan, but then also sort of like going along like the Columbia waterfront of uh Brooklyn and into sort of what? like Borough Park Bensonhurst area of Queens. This is the the Congress or Yeah, state? the 10th US district. Uh I can send you a picture. This is now dear listener Google this, I guess. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's pretty wild. I did not know that New York was gerrymandered to that extent. Oh, it's split into two. Yeah. It's um it's very odd. How's that even legal? That's crazy. I don't know. I come I I, I, I was raised in North Carolina and that's a battle that was recently won in the Supreme Court. It had to be won multiple times too. Hooray. To redistrict North Carolina. And there's talk that maybe we'll be uh, will turn two red seats blue, I think, in the upcoming election. So I'm trying to get my parents to vote. That's good. Are they averse to voting? They are a little averse to voting. Uh, but they also listen to this podcast, so <laughs> that's hey. all I'll say. <laughs> Hello, house parents. Hello, house parents. Um, all right. Do you have a New York moment? I know it's it's tough to pull one. Yeah. Trying I, times. Yeah, I mean, definitely very hard. I would say that it is definitely heartening to see the peaceful protests and sort of uh, the fact that they have been largely well-received across the country, not just here. Um, across the world, too. Yeah, and so, you know, it it really is making me hopeful about... Uh, you know, sizable reform that could come out of this. So I think that's very positive. I had a conversation with friends today about how, like, I mean, I think, uh, you know, some of them were, like, doubtful whether, like, 
the demands were clear or whether like, you know, abolish or defund the police is sort of like a good goal or whatever. And uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, we had our disagreements, I guess, on that. <laughs> but uh, I would say that the one argument that I think should be acceptable to most is that like even I feel like you should never start with you know, like, the thing that you think is going to be palatable to most people, I think you should, like, start with, you know, it's sort of, like, yeah. aim for the moon and get the stars kind of thing, like... It's like buying a car. <laughs> exactly. What? Uh, but, yeah, but I think it's sort of, like, I think because people are actually being, like, so big with their demands and are daring to sort of aim that high... Is actually kind of encouraging because it might mean that even if we'll we'll not get the goal of like abolishment of the police or something, we will get something a lot better than we might have gotten otherwise. So yep. I think that's great. And yeah. this is not my city. This is a city I actually hate. But I saw the yesterday there was a big march in Philadelphia that looked very cool from the air. And that was kind of oh, cool. nice. That's nice. <laughs> it does feel like we're living through something that people will write about in textbooks. And maybe as a footnote, they'll include a link to this podcast. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> we, at the very least, will edit any Wikipedia entry about it to include it. Yeah. I Yeah, I was uh, talking to those same friends about how, like, if this actually does end up being a big moment, um, which obviously I think all of us hope that it will be, uh, it will be interesting to sort of look at how the coronavirus actually helped it because in like a weird way, it was sort of this weird, perfect storm of both people, a lot of people being out of work, mm -hmm. a lot of people being angry already, yep. and a lot of people um, just being cooped up so much that they just wanted to leave their houses. And it's sort of like... I would imagine very much aided the turnout and yeah. the, you know, the level of ferocity of those protests. And it happened right when it got really nice weather-wise in New York anyway. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, that's pretty interesting. That's interesting. Go out, protest, donate, do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> don't throw Molotov cocktails. Uh, and Perhaps tell people about And maybe podcast. like don't loot Soho because that makes everyone look bad, including <laughs> you and in a way of just like having succumbed to like They're, the worst of American like brand obsessed yes. bullshit. <laughs> there was a, uh, this, this is just a complete aside, but there was a New York Post article about how O'Shea came out with a statement saying something like, Something millions of dollars of watches was stolen from the Rolex store. Oh, yeah, and the yeah. Rolex store immediately responds like, there were no watches on display. <laughs> they broke yeah. some glass, but there were no watches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. This is a fight. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll do it for the podcast. So this has been uh, Hal and Veronica on iHeart New York. And I guess we're signing off. Bye. Uh, bye. Stay we'll safe. We'll see you on the subway. <laughs>